where there is power, there's power in your And Father, we just thank you that we have that same power and authority. You've given it to us. If you're new here this morning, there are mics at the front and the back of the sanctuary. If the Lord has given you a word or given you a scripture that you would like to share, please feel free to come up to one of the mics and share what the Lord's put on your heart. You alone are the Lord. You made the heavens, even the highest heavens, and all their starry host. The earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. You give life to everything, and the multitudes of heaven and your people, we worship you.
for the Lord our God is with us, and He is mighty to save. And He takes great, great delight in us, and He will quiet us with His love. And He rejoices over us with singing. This is what the Lord says. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. And even now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? For I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. I just want to testify how good the Lord is today. He is all we need. Whatever it is, He's got the answers. And I just want to thank Him for all He's done, is has done, is doing, and is going to do. And um, many of you know that you know Rich got let go from his job. He was going to retire in three months, but they let him go. We found out we had a 401k we forgot about, so we cashed that in, and we're doing great. And um, um, yesterday, um, we've been on this detox thing, so we've been getting all these vegetables, and they're expensive. They're almost more than meat now. But um, Rich went to the store to do some shopping, and he purchased $65 worth of groceries. I just want to tell you how good God is. Because when you're a good steward of your money and your finances and, and your time, God blesses you. But he forgot his wallet, but he had an app on his phone. The app didn't work. So the guy in backup unpaid for our groceries. $65 worth of groceries. God is so good. Thank you, Father. We just thank you that you are everything that we need or want or could even desire. We just We just thank you that in this time of uncertain things that are floating around on the outside that inside us lives the living God, the Almighty, the I Am who provides for all our needs according to His riches and glory. And He's rich, folks, let me tell you.
of the bread and the wine, and we can overcome all. For have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? Do not be terrified, do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. God 
This song has great meaning to me because when the whole situation started with COVID, this is what the Lord kept reminding me of. Sheila, I'm drawing a line in the sand, and I want you to be standing on my side holding my hand. So, it has great meaning to me. It moves me to tears whenever I hear it because it's a reminder. This week, something deeply troubling happened in my life, and it has... It's an ongoing situation that's been going on for nearly 50 years. And in the past, I've been incredibly anxious about it and fearful. And this time, whenever I was praying about it, I felt something lift off of me because it was like the Lord said, Sweetheart, this has been my plan to develop your Christ-likeness. It's not going to be wasted. Not a single piece of it. Nothing that we've been through, are going through, or will go through will be wasted as we trust in the Lord with all of our hearts. Stop trying to figure everything out. We're not going to. He's not going to allow it. We acknowledge that he's God and that we're not, and he will direct our path. He will do it. But I was reminded this morning of Second Peter, one of my favorite passages in kind of strange ways. It says, starting with verse 2, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. In one of my translations, it says, as we know Jesus better, he gives us everything we need to live a life that's pleasing to him. 
seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and great excellence. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature. We have the nature of Jesus inside of us. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust now, for this very reason also apply all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowing God better, and in your knowledge of knowing God better, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours, and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Psalm 92 says, It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness by night. With the ten-stringed lute and with the harp, with resounding music upon the lyre, for you, O Lord, have made me glad by what you have done. I will sing for joy at the works of your hands. Anybody else? Yeah, I hear the word kindness, kindness, kindness. And watch this. What do you hear? Amen. That's what we want to hear is what (laughs) we're hearing. Man, your post. The sound of general quarters has gone forth. Each one has been assigned a place, a post to man. Do not abdicate your authority that I have given you. Take courage. Great courage is required at this time. Not everything is as it seems. Listen and obey only me. Do not be fooled by what you see with your natural eyes, nor what you hear with your natural ears. A deep level of spiritual discernment is absolutely necessary. I am a leader to those who will follow me. And this is me now. Worship is not singing songs. It can be part of it. But that's not worship. Worship is living a life of obedience to the Lord. Therefore, we worship Him with our lifestyles. How we live. How we interact with one another. What we do. And most importantly, our obedience to Him. 
Now, here in this congregation, we have talked a few years ago that Jesus began revealing himself differently, and we've taken that from Joshua chapter 5. Joshua chapter 5 is, if you're not familiar with it, is after the children of Israel were in the promised land, they were circumcised, and everything changed for them. Everything changed. They were in a different land. Food quit being provided from heaven. They began eating from the fruit of the land. They began to observe the Passover. And then Jesus shows up to Joshua. Not as the God only that had been taking care of their needs for the last generation, 40 years in the wilderness. But as a God that was stand fully dressed and ready for battle with his sword, not in his scabbard, but drawn. And it frightened Joshua. So much that he asked Jesus, are you for us or for our enemies? And I'll paraphrase what Jesus said. I'm for neither. The question is, are you for me? Are you on my side? The so-called church has so gotten this wrong. They get all kinds of wonderful ideas because out of a good heart of wanting to bless the Lord and do good for the Lord and start this and start that and do this and do that. And then they ask the Lord to come and bless what they're starting. Well, it's interesting to me, you never see Jesus do that. Because if you're doing what God has already called you to do, it's already blessed and you don't need to ask him to bless you in it. So even in times of warfare, I'm going to pause for just a second. Last week, somebody came to me and said, my message was hard. It was, it was rough. This week might be rougher. (laughs) And here's the reason, guys, and most of you know this. We are in a war. We are hanging by a thread. I prophesied in 2020 we entered a decade of trouble. This year is going to be tumultuous. And we have to be ready for it. We have to take our place, our post. Because obedience to the Lord is not just coming here on a Sunday morning and gathering and clapping hands and and singing songs. It's being obedient to Him Monday through Friday. Look, I'm sorry we're in this place, but we are here. And we're born for such a time as this. And we have to rise up and take our place. We have to be bold. We have to be courageous. We have to speak what God is telling us to speak regardless of of life or property, the cost to it. You see, for years we preach all of these things as it's some distant time, distant land, and it's for other people. Well, it's for us now. It's for us. We are here. We are counting on the Lord, and guess what? He's counting on us. To partner with Him To do what he's saying, regardless of the outcome. 
And as I said last week, I've been thrust into this political sphere, but that doesn't mean you are too. Whether you're in, biz, in the business field, the medical field, in education, uh, and every one of us is in family, or whatever mountain or sphere of society you're in, but the Lord is counting on us to not be quiet, to not be an, uh, uh, an ostrich with our head in the stand, but to speak the truth. Let me tell you something. Another virus is coming, and they're planning it to be worse than the first one. And so many people are walking around already muzzled. And we have to stand up. Look, New Covenant Ministries is not eternal. I don't care if we lose this place. I'm just telling you. What I care about is if we are obeying the Lord. Because there's other ways to meet. The Lord's counting on us. I would say I hate to be harsh in this time, but I don't. Because we have to wake up to the importance, the seriousness of the hour in which we live. Because really everything's at stake. Not just some things, everything. Everything is at stake right now. I try my hardest to run people out of here. I'm just kidding. Kind of. A few things from that I said last week, I wasn't planning on doing this, came to mind as we were. And by the way, you know, here at New Covenant, the time that we take, and I'm very thankful for our, our musicians and singers. and But we have really changed the way we think about at least I have, and I've been trying to communicate it for a number of years, music in our services. And I have a message I preach, actually three of them I preached on that, because you don't see music and the word worship in Scripture working together. You see praise. But we have defined that. You ask any Christian, and even some non-Christians, what worship is, and they talk about the music. The song service. And I've been, you know, challenged in the past on this, about that mindset, because most of the church, it's about music. Matter of fact, a lot of people go to churches based on the music, looking for good music. And there are a lot of churches, especially mega churches, that have great bands, right? And we as a church have done a lot of great things. And even though we may not be in the form, because Jesus never said he was going to build a church, he was going to build an ecclesia, even though we may not be in the form, God has used it because he can use anything, anybody, any place, any time to accomplish his will and his purposes. But I would rather get into his form that he said he's going to create at the same time. So we have all of this great music in all over the nation, really, and, and some have recording artists and all of these things, but at the same time, our country's going to hell. My point is this, if it's just about singing, we've been singing from coast to coast, from the north border to the south, and in the meantime, it's not getting better, it's getting worse. Yeah, and we don't even have the border down there anymore. 
So what I'm saying, without going into too much detail, is what we have been doing really hasn't been working. You don't have to agree with me. That's the beauty about here in the United States. We don't have to agree with each other. And I don't expect you to agree with me on everything. Dear Lord, Renee and I don't agree on everything. And we still love each other and been together for a lot of years. (laughs) And that's true, too. (laughs) That's true, too. And so what I'm cautious about is the word hope. And what I don't ever want to project is a false hope. And from my perspective, there's a ton of false hope in the body of Christ. Tons. Still. Even during this war that we're in. Everything's just going to be fine. It's all going to work out. God's in control. Well, if you haven't heard this, you might want to put your seatbelt on. God is not in control. Look around. Does it look like God's in control? When children, even last night and tonight, are being brutally raped, And trafficked? Does that what it looks like when God's in control? And I'm sure you're thinking about a myriad of other things. I'll tell you what it looks like when God's in control. Heaven. Heaven. Because when one angel got out of line... He received his pink slip. That's what it looks like when God's in control. I know if you've never heard that or thought about that, that can make it very unnerving. But God's still ultimate authority. He's still in charge. And he gave this planet to us. And if we will partner with Him, as we're listening to Him, what He's telling us to speak, what He's showing us to do, then we will see the will of God be manifest in the earth. That does not mean that it's going to be a bed of roses, because as we know from Scripture, even doing the will of God brought a lot of trouble, a lot of problems. A lot of rough times, like I read last week with, with Abraham, when Abraham and God were cutting the covenant. And part of that covenant, God says, by the way, even though I'm going to give you so much children, you can't count the stars, you can't count the sand on the seashore, that your kids for 400 years are going to be in slavery. It's quiet in here. How, how would you like that? God cutting a covenant saying, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you a posterity. Your kids, you won't even be able to count them as so much, so many kids. By the way, though, for 400 years, they're going to be in slavery. Brutal, 
slavery. How would you like God to say that? See, so many Christians have such a misconception of who God really is. It's always just bless me, bless me, bless me. Everything's going to work out and be a bed of roses. Nobody's accused me that I'm aware of, of preaching feel-good messages. Because as I said last week, it's not my responsibility to make you feel better. Nowhere does God say that. If we understand where we're really at and the reality, the weight of this situation, that we're about to lose our country and all of our freedoms, all of our freedoms, and we just sit around doing life as, as normal, we will actually be helping our enemy. Instead of saying, God, what are you saying right now? What are you telling me to do? Again, me, it's, I'm now involved in politics. It affects the whole congregation, but that may not be where God's called you. But God has called you somewhere, and God has given you a post. And He has given you, if you're born again, He has given you authority. He has given you His name. Let me read a passage here in John chapter 18. John chapter 18 comes after John 17, if you're looking for it. Yeah. John 18, I think it's in the 30th verses 33 So Jesus is standing before Pilate. Does anybody know what Jesus was arrested for? What was his crime? Identity I heard several things. Breaking the Sabbath, identity what was his number one main crime that he was arrested for? Blasphemy. All right, let me put it this way. What was the placard above his cross? Because that's what he was convicted for. King of the Jews. He was arrested because he said he was a king. That was his crime. The placard above the cross, the Romans would always put the placard, whatever they put on the placard was that was what they were condemned for. And, and he put it in how many languages? Three. And who was really ticked off about it? Can I say that here? Ticked off? Is that all right? The religious. We have no king but Caesar. We find ourselves in a very similar time, by the way. Jesus was arrested and crucified for the crime of speaking the truth that he was the king. And he didn't back down from speaking the truth. John chapter 18, verse 33. So Jesus is standing before Pilate. Pilate's questioning him. It says, Pilate entered again into the praetorium. He summoned Jesus and said to him, Are you king of the Jews? Now, when you take the word king, that simple four-letter word in English, king, what kind of term is that word? It's governmental. So, therefore, it's a political term. Jesus wasn't political. Really? 
How do you not be political or governmental when you're the king? How does it work? It doesn't work. I mean, it can't work at all. I'm a king, but I'm not governmental or, or political. Which is the, most of the church believes that. We shouldn't get involved in politics, government. We shouldn't preach about it, teach about it. I got friends. I got a pastor friend I called before the campaign. I mentioned this to you. I wasn't asking for money. I wasn't asking for me to come and speak to the congregation. I was just asking him, could you just say you have a friend that's running? Take a look at him. He said no. He, but he put my sign in his own front yard. He said, and this is what he said, because I asked him. I said, so you don't talk about politics. I already knew this, right? But I wanted to face it. So you don't talk about government politics? No. I said, do you even encourage your people to vote? No. Do your people even know that there's an election coming up? I mean, it's like, what? And this is pervasive in the body of Christ. But we worship a guy that's king. I don't get it. How does that work? He talks about his kingdom. And he's questioned by Pilate here. He's arrested for being king. Do we not know that? He wasn't arrested for being a Christian. Because he wasn't one. He wasn't arrested because he had Christian t-shirts. And he brought his Bible to class. Come on, that's not what it, he was arrested because he said he was a king. And it's like, there is no king but Caesar. We have a major clash here. Absolutely. It was a threat to the domain of darkness and all of what was Caesar's. And in case you forgot, all of Israel was under, they were, they were occupied by a foreign entity, Rome. They had a double corrupt system going on. Because not only was Rome occupying them, but Israel was also under the scribes and the Pharisees, which were also, they weren't, most people think scribes, fri- uh, those scribes, that's, that's when you combine both of them, they're scribes. The Pharisees, <laughs> them scribes. The fr- that's actually kind of cool. I like that, fribes. Never thought of it. When the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees, these guys were the political leaders of Israel. They were also the religious leaders. Most just think they were religious. No, they were political. Who arrested Jesus? It was the Pharisees that went to the Romans because the only reason they went to the Romans to arrest Jesus was for crucifixion. The, The Pharisees, the Jews, could not crucify legally. Only Rome could. That's why they involved Rome. Jesus, when he was arrested, he was put in prison underneath the high priest's house. He was put in a Jewish prison, not a Roman prison. I've been there, not in prison, but in the one he was put in. And Bruce was there, and there's a hole in the ground without cable TV and all that. Verse 33. We're almost out of time. I haven't got to one verse yet. 
Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. Well, let me back up. Let's go back to verse 33. Pilate entered again into the praetorium. He summoned Jesus and said to him, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered, well, some say that. I guess you could say, no, no, really. His life's at stake. When your life is at stake, that's where the true test is. What you really believe that you've been holding on to. Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, are you saying this on your own initiative or did others tell you about me? I like this. Jesus is already trying to get to somebody's heart, even in the midst of this. You remember um, Matthew chapter 13 when he tells him, tells his disciples that he's going to build his ecclesia? The first thing he says is, who do people say that I am? They answer. And then the second question is, who do you say that I am? This is that kind of a question. Are you just asking me this because of what, you know, what others are saying? Or is this coming from you? Isn't that beautiful? Pilate answered, I'm not a Jew, am I? I don't care who you are. <laughs> Doesn't make any difference to me. Your own nation and the chief priests delivered you to me. What have you done? And Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. Oh, my gosh. What, do you believe in aliens? What's going on here? I mean, think of that statement. My king. Put yourself in Pilate's place. He, he, he's not a Jew. He doesn't have a relationship with the Lord. Everything's natural to him. What he can see, taste, smell, hear, sense. And this guy is being condemned for being a king of the Jews. And then he tells me, my kingdom is not of this world. We have a loony on our hands here. You see, we have perspective that you know, 2020, right? It's, we, we, uh, we have a whole different perspective than the present of what is actually happening and what's being said here. My kingdom's not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would be fighting so that I would not be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm You know, before I received Christ, I had people telling me all kinds of true Christian things, and I thought they were wacky. This, if somebody told me this, I would probably think they were wacky. Before I knew the Lord or knew anything about His Word or Scripture. And therefore, Pilate said to him, So you are a king. And Jesus answered, You say correctly that I'm a king. 
For this I have been born, and for this I have come into the world, to testify to the truth. I want to stop for there for just a second. If you're wondering, this is not my message this morning. I haven't got to that yet, so just... Jesus says in this moment that he came into the world to testify to the truth. So what implications does that have for us, his followers? Everyone, this statement, I've highlighted this years ago. I love this statement. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. This to me also answers at least partially the problem of why so many have a hard time listening and hearing his voice. And then Pilate said to him, which probably a lot of people are asking today, what is truth? Because we're not hearing it from our politicians. We're not hearing it from our news media. There's a lot of churches we're not even hearing it from. So what is it? First and foremost, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Truth is, it it goes beyond a statement of fact, but it's a person. Truth is a person. Jesus said, everyone who is of the truth, they hear my voice. Just think about these last couple years, even within the Christian community, of how quick the vast majority of Christians listen to the voice of their health professionals, politicians, over the voice of the Lord. Yes, Steve. Yeah, because it's just not there, not in the Scripture. And it's those issues and issues like other others that's going to cause problems for us. Let him flee. We have to stand for truth and righteousness and not bow down 
to any one or thing for any reason. Speaking of that, I'll just be so bold to tell you about a conversation I had with an elected official in Jeff City and an elected official in Jackson County that did not like the way I was campaigning during my campaign and bringing out all of the truth about my opponent's voting record and how I should have done this and should have done that. And everybody's, you know, welcome to their own opinion. And I plead the fifth. And so we got into talking about the abortion and funding abortion clinics. And I leaned in to his, across his desk and I said, I want you to look at me. And I'm going to tell you the same thing and I've told you before. If I'm ever elected, I don't care what's in that bill, I will never vote to kill babies and to fund Planned Parenthood or any other abortion. We will figure out the other issues. Isn't going to happen. Don't tell me I don't understand. I don't know. I probably don't know a lot of stuff. But I'm not going to vote to give more money to abortion clinics. Never. I said, do you understand that? I wasn't trying to be mean. Just look at me. This isn't going to happen. Ever. No, he didn't like that, but that's all right. You know, we're we're not here to get other people's opinions and like. I, I'm not I'm not around to be liked. I want everybody in this room to like me, but it isn't going to make a difference in my eternal salvation whether you do or not. And, and it isn't going to stop me from from. Now I'm not. I don't know all truth. I don't want to come across like I know everything. I don't know everything, but the truth I do know and the revelation I do have. I'm going to speak confidently the best I can and with boldness and courage the best I can. That's, that's all I can do. And, and that's, that's a problem that's happening in the church because too many people are wanting to be liked. They're wanting their own agendas. I'm tempted to tell you some more about this conversation just because I think it's teaching some elements. Did you have something, Sheila? Yeah, excellent. Yep, excellent. Yep, exactly. Exactly, that's so good. And like I, I've said this before, and I told this gentleman this too, I said, look, you know, when this age is all over, I'm only standing before one. I'm all, your opinion of me, your judgment of me, look, I'll take anybody's advice, I'll listen, but I'm only going to be standing before one. I'm only judged before one. And, and that's how I'm trying to live my life right now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 
Yep. Exactly. Yeah. That, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he, he didn't want that Yeah. Yeah, he had he he knew Jesus was innocent. Yeah, we've talked about that a lot. It was it goes back to and this and this in what we're talking about, it goes back to each one of our core values. What are we really motivated by? And it is my opinion because knowing the background that was going on in uh, Jerusalem specifically, because Pilate was a governor there, that there was unrest, that there was all kinds of factions that were going on, and he was there to keep the peace in Jerusalem. And this was a major uproar with Jesus. So he appeased the people, even though his wife had a dream. He ceremonially washes his hands. He even speaks it out, this man is innocent. But he still condemned them to death. And that goes back to, and with politicians, pastors, it doesn't matter. It goes back to people's core values. What is actually most, and, and I, I would dare to say a lot of people don't even know what their core value is. But that core value is motivating every one of us to action, whether we realize it or not. And most people have to deal with, actually everybody has to deal with this, one core value at some time in their life, and it's self-preservation. That's why Scripture is very plain. Death is the last enemy that will be overcome. We're still going to have to face death unless Jesus comes back before we, we die. But it's the fear of death, which is the fear of getting sick, the fear of death, the fear of the pain that's involved in it. It's all of that. That's why you see what, what happened over COVID and the mask and the vax and all of this kind of, and the craziness and the locking in a home. It's the fear that was motivating, but the fear of what? Getting sick and dying. It's the fear of death. Once we overcome that on an individual basis, that fear of death, I honestly, I don't fear death. I'm gonna, but I'm going to tell you what I do fear. The pain that's associated with it. Because pain is against my religion, and I don't like it. <laughs> but once we overcome that, then what difference does it man make what man thinks of us or says about us? Amen. It is. It is. And I mean, no offense, but I want to address that if that's okay. 
we like each other, don't we? I think we love each other, Lori. Because when you were saying that, I was thinking of Jesus. Now, when we read the Scripture, I'm just going to tell you my own thought. If I were Jesus. These 12 guys, one of them just committed suicide. They're not ready for me to leave. I was arrested and they all ran. But he left anyway. Here's why I believe. Not only was it time for him to go, but his trust in his father knowing that the Holy Spirit was going to be sent to come to these men to comfort them. The Bible says to teach them everything that I have said, to relay my words to them, to remind them, to equip them, to empower them. Because see, naturally we think, Jesus, I can't believe, if you ever really thought about it, I've thought about it, like you left these guys. And then I always put personals like, you are trusting me to do what? You see what I'm saying? We have for him to come, for the Holy Spirit to be able to come, he had to go. And that's, that, and I agree with you because I feel the same way about that. Um, but the Holy Spirit, and that's something else, we, I think we need to really delve into the Holy Spirit more so than we do here at this congregate in this congregation. Um, so let me try to wrap up some of these thoughts because this was not my message and I've got several things flying around in here. A few months ago, when I was, actually it was probably six months ago, when did I talk about, we did a series on Ecclesia. It was like last year somewhere, right? Like, yeah, it was just the other day, like you Midwesterners say, just the other day. Six, eight months, whatever it was. Uh, during that, I was, and I felt like the Lord was saying that we need, to gra- we need to have a better grasp of what the kingdom is on earth. The kingdom on earth really is. Because Ecclesia is the government of that kingdom. Well, if we don't understand how to to uh, what that kingdom that we're governing is, then we're just, that was a good message, that was okay, but we're not going to know how to apply it. On top of that, because the kingdom of this world in the United States is changing and things are happening so rapidly, we're going to, it, this is going to be required, we're going to have to understand how to tap into kingdom resources like we've never tapped into before. Because we have access to all of kingdom's resources, financially, for food, for cl- even in the Sermon on the Mount, which is what I was trying to get to today because I left that off a, a month or so back in November. Because the Sermon on the Mount is a type of, it's not a constitution of the, of the kingdom, but it's a type of it. It gives us values and it, and it shows us the, type, the way kingdom citizens, gives us a structure of how kingdom citizens are to live on earth. And, huh? Yes, it's our identity. It's who we are. And Jesus addresses those things, the finances, the food, the clothing. We're going to need to tap into this 
in a way that it's not just that was a great message, but it doesn't really apply to my life. It's because this is reality. And I know some of you already have, but it's a reality. And then to learn to govern through the ecclesia much more effectively when we have a better understanding of kingdom. The first thing, or actually it was the last thing, that Jesus talked about before he ascended to heaven was the baptism of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. If you'll remember in that passage before he left, and the disciples knew it, he said the disciples were wanting to talk about Revelation, right? They're wanting to talk, I know, the book of Revelation hasn't been written yet, I know. They were wanting to talk about the end times. When is the end time? When? Which is, you know, very interesting, right? And on the minds of a lot of people, especially now, even unbelievers. And Jesus said, don't worry about that. What you need now is the Holy Spirit. Because he's going to come in explosive, dynamite-type power to cause you to be my witnesses in Samaria, Judea, and the remotest part of the earth. There is a requirement, not a suggestion. The baptism of the Holy Spirit being baptized, which means, the word baptism just means immersed. To be immersed in the Spirit of God and equip. That's equipping for ministry. I might be so bold to say this because I've said it before. Without it is illegitimate ministry. You're not equipped. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is an absolute requirement for ministry and a requirement for function within the ecclesia. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying what Jesus said. You need this. You have to have this. Matter of fact, he put it this way. I don't want you doing anything until you receive it. That's what he said. I don't want you wait in Jerusalem until you receive this. I don't want you planting any churches. I don't want you going out and do it, trying to heal people. I don't want you going out and trying to spread the gospel. He said, you wait to receive this and then you'll be ready to go. That was their, they were schooled for three years and then they had to wait to be empowered, commissioned, if so, if so to speak, filled, immersed in the power of God. That's why you see Peter uh, just, just days prior hiding when Jesus is arrested, lying to a servant girl in the dark by a fire. And then when he's equipped and he's filled with the Spirit of God, he comes out into the street. Now remember, this is the same town, the same city that just crucified Jesus. We're looking for his followers. He comes out into the street and preaches the most powerful, anointed message. So powerful, 3,000 men give their lives to the Lord that day. Two reasons for that. And I believe it's the same two reasons every one of us needs today. I don't know about you, but I think this is ending up better than I thought. <laughs> the disciples did not see the resurrected Christ at his, res- at his arrest. It was after the crucifixion. After his resurrection, for 40 days, they had interaction. 
Not with the Jesus prior, with the resurrected Christ. See, that's, that's the Christ we need to see. Not the Christ that's still hanging on the cross. The resurrected. Because all of the power is in the resurrection. So they had not only visual, but they had, they had, they touched him. I don't know about you. Have you ever, like, somebody come up out of the grave and, and you, you ate with them? Yeah, that was like. I mean, Thomas had a hard time with this, right? Jesus was like, hey, stick your finger right here. It's really me. Okay, so they had an interaction with the risen Christ. Not the arrested one, not the dead one, not the one just hanging on the cross. The resurrected one. Then they were empowered and immersed by the Holy Spirit. These guys were so on fire. This is what changed the world. This is why Jesus can leave and say, God's got this. Because they, they saw me. You know, that's the problem with so many evangelistic messages. There's, there's communication of the dead Jesus hanging on a cross. And not the one that came victoriously out of the grave. And then filling and equipping people with the power of the Holy Spirit for the work of ministry. And understanding who, who you really are. One last thing. So I'm talking to this elected official in Jeff City. And I, I almost have to go in the background just so you understand this. But I want to say something. Because to me, with a lot of these politicians that I'm running into, and I'm just going to give you my opinion. Not all of them. Some of them do. But it's very few. They have no idea what's going on in the world. They don't know the seriousness of the situation. It's party time as usual. It's playtime. It's money deals. It's how can I, as usual. So I told this one, I said, do you understand that we're in a war? No, really. Do you understand we're about to lose our nation? Because he asked me, why am I involved? And I said, well, number one, it's the Lord, because I wouldn't want to do it. I was happy before. But for me, is I'll do anything to save this nation. That's, we're in a war, and by helping to save this state, it's helping to save this nation. So I'll do it. And I'm going to tell you what he said. But I said this to him after he said what he said. I said, look. You have to fight two things. You have to earn people's trust each and every day, not just at the election. Because he made that comment. People send me, they trust me, and so they send me to make all of these decisions. I said, no, you've got to earn it every day. Every day. I said, people, do you understand how mad people are? That's another thing. I don't know that they really got the message that people are mad and more people are paying attention. That's why you're in trouble. Because people are paying attention to you. What you do, who you associate with, all of these things. They're paying attention, they're mad, and they want change. And you've got to earn their respect. I said, here, and you tell me if I'm wrong. People want their politicians to fight for them. To protect their freedom. Every day. Not just talk about it during the election. Every day. And, and they need to know you're here. Because, I'm sorry, I don't mean to get into all this stuff, but the 7-1 map, 
in the 6-2 map. You remember that whole thing, the congressional maps? And too many Republicans already did. They put up the, re- the white flag before the vote. Oh, uh, there's no way we can get a 7-1 map. 7-1 map would be seven districts Republican, one, if you don't understand, one district uh, Democrat. We would be able to change the district that Cleaver's in, and it would be more Republican, a huge advantage. We have a supermajority of Republicans in the, in the legislature. It's just shocking how we can't get Republican things done. But they, they stuck up the white flag, some of them. Can't do it. It's impossible. This guy was telling me about that, too. I said, look. Oh, and I love this. You don't know how difficult it really is. I said, do you, know, do you know when you say that what you're communicating? I'm too stupid. And you're communicating that to the people who voted for you. You're just too stupid to understand. I said, you'd be wise to stop that. But anyway, but anyway, going back to the seven, I just want to show you a difference of mentality that, that we, not me, we need to have, I believe. And just using this as an illustration. He said, Joe, it was impossible. There was no way it was, wasn't going to happen. I said, okay, I believe you. And he talked about getting calls from his constituents. And he would tell them, there's no way. It's impossible. It's not going to happen. I said, do you, do you know what you just communicated to them when you said it that way? I'm not fighting for you. I gave up. That's what you're You don't think that, but that's what you're telling them. Because that's what I would hear if you told me that. I said, look, I almost said his name. I said, look, if <laughs> I said, if I were here, I would be honest and just say, you know what? It's probably going to be impossible, but I am going to fight and I'm going to do everything I can to get that 7-1 map. Even though I'm going in, I, might, I know I'm going to fail. I'm not going to stop. You know why? Because I'm going to fight for you, and I'm going to fight for that because it's the right thing to do. Period. That's how. It's like, do, do you not understand this? <laughs> like, you got, and that's the way we have to be. Even though we may look like, how many times did God lead an army to where it was no way they were going to win in the natural? Now, by the way, I'm talking to a Christian politician. Yeah, supposedly. There's no way. I'm thinking of Gideon. How do you go with 300 men, fight a multitude, not with conventional weapons? With a torch and a trumpet. Uh, And they did it. Like this. But they did it. And they had victory. So even though it looks so dark and it looks like there's just no way in the natural, we have to go by our internal compass. You know what that is? That is the voice of and leading of the Spirit of God. What are you saying to do? What are you showing us to do? That's it. Even though everything out here, everything's screaming at you, you're going to fail, you're going to fail, there's no way it's impossible. No, this is what the Lord said, we're doing it. Even if we have to go alone. I would much rather die obeying God. Amen. One thing you might add is that when you just hear you're talking about this, if you're a Christian college, most of several churches over the last several years have been in men. That's probably the problem. Yeah, these seminaries, most of the stuff coming out of these seminaries are just Marxist, communist propaganda garbage.
Yep. Yep. So God is, you know, God through prayer and supplication, that man is a living testimony. Mm-hmm. Yep. And God uses that man to help to help say no at that place. Yeah. The no foxes and or uh, no uh, atheist and foxholes type of thing. And if you make a statement in front of everybody, how much is that going to encourage others to one either rethink or have their own courage to speak out as well? And that's basically like putting a hole in a dam, and the leak starts and starts and bigger and bigger. Yep. Exactly. That's exactly right. That's so good, Jerry. Yep. Courage is contagious. And we need it everywhere. We need it in your workplaces, in your homes, in your neighborhoods, at the school, everywhere. We need people to stand up. What were you saying? Or somebody back here? Amen. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it. And I don't want this to be about me because I'm trying to encourage every one of us in every realm that we're in to be this this man, this woman of God, because we are in a war. Don't ever forget that. Don't put down your defenses for a moment. Sorry, we're here, but we're here. It's normal to us, Sheila. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Amen. That's so beautiful. Not Stephanie, because she was angelic the whole time. <laughs> About? Oh, my gosh. 
What were we talking about? What were we talking about? Yeah, I remember that. But what what particular about? What was I talking about? <laughs> what part? What part was it? Huh? Oh, it was the maps? Oh, dear. Hey, could you rewind the tape? Oh, okay. Well, it was basically the same now. Um, okay, so it was basically the same answer to both of those. So during the abortion thing was, you really don't understand of all of the things and the things that go and that are in play. And it was really about this, which I counteracted because there's a, there, there is a, a response to that vote that my opponent was saying, which is a complete lie. So I responded to that. And then the other one, the 7-1 map, was I, because there was it, in his mind, we were not going to get it. It was absolutely impossible, so don't try. That was his, that was his response. That, I, I just paraphrased it. It wasn't exactly what he said. But he was, and I said, well, we completely disagree. You, you fight. It's the people who elect you, right? So you fight for them. Even if you know you're going to lose, you still fight. And you fight hard. Because if you don't even fight, you'll never get it. Oh, yeah. I would love that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. And see, I agree with that. You you just fight for everything you can. I mean, if you're in a war, you fight for everything you can get all of the time. You you let it you just let that play out, but you don't go in saying, "No, here's the white flag." And I'll say I'll say one more thing about all of this because I've asked a lot of people this and nobody's been able to respond to me, including this guy, and I asked him that too. I said, if what you're saying is true about all of these votes that were on that scorecard, you remember all that, it were procedural or didn't, you know, this or that or skewed or whatever, you're saying all of that, okay? I'll take it at face value. Then can you answer to me why the most conservative members voted completely different? Can you answer me that? Why did they? Crickets. There's no answer. There's no, nobody's been able to answer that. Why did the conservative ones vote opposite of the, and I'm just talking about Republicans here in case you don't know, opposite of these, and I don't, I don't typically call them rhinos, but that's really what they are. What? Oh, there's money, there's agenda, there's power, there's all kinds of corrupt garbage going in that play play in that. 
But anyway, yeah, Alita, and then we'll. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, good point. Yeah. And and, and really, I, I don't want to make it all political, but it definitely fits in that realm. But to, to, so we can see there's a difference of in Christianity, too. Are we going to be men and women who stand up for the truth, period? I'm proud of a lot of you here that did that, that said, I am not going to receive the vax in my job. Because that was hard. You're going to lose. You, you might lose your job. And you said no. Did anybody in this room lose their job because they were not vaxxed? Yeah, exactly. You people stood, stood still, stood strong. And that's what that's kind of stuff it's going to take. Yeah. Well, I want to get back to your sermon and what you just said, right? Stand up for the truth. If you look at the, uh, the text that you had up here, Beautiful. That's it. That gives me chills, man. There's no place else you'll yeah. find any place where the Son of God said, for this purpose I came to the earth, to stand for truth. And, and two chapters uh, prior to that, in what's called the Upper Room Discourse in John 16, he says, I will send the Spirit of truth. So Jesus right there is paving the way for the Spirit of truth mm-hmm. to come into the earth. Because the, the whole And then he, he tells them, there will be no consequences. If you do this, you surely won't die. Mm-hmm. And then he makes an accusation against the Father. Oh, well, he doesn't want you to be like him. You can elevate yourself above him. So Jesus comes into the earth to undo the first of the three rebellions, three, chapter 3, chapter 6, chapter 11 from Genesis. But right there, this is so important. We have to stand for the truth. Mm-hmm. This is the ministry that we've been called into. This is the spirit we've been filled with, the spirit of truth. Yes, amen. That's so good. God bless you, man. That was awesome. I loved it. And in order to stand for the truth, you have to be willing to die. Yeah. That's right. You're right. Yep. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
Hey, um, I want to wrap all this up because I want to I want to go get a donut before the rest of you. Amen. This has been good this morning. Thank you, guys. But I would like to, uh, Mark, would you mind coming up? Mark is uh, is going to have a major surgery tomorrow. And uh, I don't, you're, yeah, he's going to be sleeping. We'll, yeah, did you want to say anything about it or anything? I would like for all of us to pray for him. And anybody else that may be sick or dealing with some kind of physical or any other kind of issue, did you want to? Yeah, three of the five are. That image. Uh, oh, you want to talk into mic? Sure. I've never done this before. Yeah, wow. right, right. <laughs> They're seen when they, when like at a butcher, when they make sausages and they'll fill the casing and then they twist it and they fill the casing and they twist it. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, that's what three of my arteries look like. So we made the determination a few weeks ago that, uh, assuming God doesn't decide to do something in the next few hours, we're going to have those bypassed. So then the brain fog that I live with and the chest pain that I live with will go away. Amen. Amen to that. Praise God. So, if you want to pray for me, that's fine. I really appreciate if you pray for the medical team. Mm -hmm. They're the ones doing the work, guys. I'm literally going to lay there and take a really awesome nap and then pray for my wife who has to deal with me in recovery. (laughs) Because I'm a man-child. Thank God she's a nurse, though. (laughs) She's trained. You're not married to a nurse, are you? No. No. Yeah, I love her. She's wonderful, but yeah, get out of that bed and walk. She's a, she's a nurse work. drill sergeant. Yes, she is. <laughs> Argentina. So. Hey, if anybody wanted to come up and lay hands on Mark, that'd be fine. Please wash him first. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, you're you're more than welcome to. Father, we just thank you so much, God, for Mark. Thank you for the body that you've created here, uh, for the child, the son of God that he is. And we speak to this body, body, be whole, be complete in Jesus' mighty name. Heart, you come into alignment exactly the way you are created to function. Glory be to God. Father, we thank you for the medical team. We thank you for doctors, nurses, anesthesiologists, all those that are involved. Give them wisdom, insight, understanding in Jesus' mighty name. Father, I, pray, I just speak peace, peace, a shalom over Mark, over Tina. Glory be to God. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Arteries open up. Glory be to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Bless you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord.